Hello, and welcome to the official podcast of Bishop Malcolm Smith. These teachings are recorded live each week and provided not only here on the podcast, but at youtube.com. Simply go to youtube.com and look for Malcolm Smith webinars in the search engine there. We also want to invite you to go to www.malcolmsmith.org. There you will find other teachings by Malcolm, including books, videos, and MP3 downloads. And now, with this week's teaching, Bishop Malcolm Smith. Lord be with you, everyone. And could I quickly take this opportunity of thanking those of you that continue to give donations to this program. Only in that way are we able to continue not only to bring this program to you, but to countless, countless nations around the world and to minister to countless thousands of people. Thank you, everyone that has given to this. And I want to read a couple of verses and we might get to all of what I want to say, but I think we're going to stay with this subject for a while. And so the first one is in Genesis chapter 18 and in verse 13. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am so old? Is anything too difficult for the Lord? At the appointed time I will return to you, at this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Put that on hold and go over into the New Testament to Luke's Gospel. And it is when the angel came and announced to the Virgin Mary that she would bear Jesus as a virgin, in verse 35 of chapter 1 of Luke, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age. She who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bondslave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. One last, and that is in Mark's Gospel, chapter 10. And that is the story of the rich young ruler. And he goes away sad. And the disciples, in verse 24, the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished and said to him, Then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, With people... It is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Okay, that, that's what I want to look at. God's possible. All things are possible with God. And even that one, the first one where it says, is anything too hard for the Lord? It's the same um, words in the Hebrew. Is there anything that is impossible for God? So, I suppose as we approach this, I, I am challenged, and I want to challenge every one of you to wake up. Yes, I, I mean that. I mean it for me, and I mean it for you. Wake up to our possible. This whole new world that dawns upon us of possible which previous we might have thought to be impossible. Wake up to the fact that as believers we are in a dynamic relationship with the God 
Father and Son and Holy Spirit, to whom nothing is impossible. Let the word sink in. You and I, as believers, are in dynamic relationship with the triune God with whom nothing is impossible. Our Christian life, this whole thing of being a Christian, is in fact living out the intention, the purpose of divine love's possible. Did you get that? You're being a Christian. My, my living this Christian life, it is not trying your best. Absolutely not. If you're trying your best, you haven't heard the gospel yet. No, this isn't. This is. It's the crazy news that we are joined into and we live out in our human lives the possible of divine love. A life that, according to all my natural human understanding, is impossible. But that's the gospel, the good news. So, what, what is this word possible? Because it occurs in one way or another in those three passages that I read. So, what is it? It belongs to, shall I say, a big family of words in the New Testament, and um, th this uh, is part, the one that we're most familiar with is the word power, um, but this word possible is part of that family of words, and so when we say possible, um, it, it means something's opened up to us, before, it was not allowable. It was not permissible to us. It was impossible. We couldn't go there. But now it's opened up. The doors have swung open, and it is possible. That is, now there is inner power. There is inner ability. There is inner strength to go where we couldn't go before. Now, of course... When we speak of God and with whom nothing is impossible, then he never had a door. There was never anything that was impossible. So when we speak of possible with God, we mean the outreaching of his power to limitless. It means his ability that has no boundaries, no limitations, his strength to the nth degree. And this is a lot more, if you think about it, than, than simply the doing of it. It comes back further inside and begins in an attitude, an attitude of knowing one's possession of all power, the attitude of knowing one's strength. And therefore, that attitude looks at what others might say was an impossible thing or something, as Genesis 18 translated it, um, uh, too hard. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The, the human is always saying, well, that's too hard. I, I couldn't do that. That's impossible. But with God, there is nothing that is too hard. His attitude toward it is done. If he wills it, that is his attitude, come to concrete spearhead. He wills it because he knows he is the doing of it. And so, I say again, it is that allowable. It is the permissive. You can go there. You have permission, and God has permission in himself. He is all power, all strength. And all things, he said, all things are possible. You, you could say, bringing the word down to something a little less ponderous, you could say it, it means it's easy, possible. I, I could be really, really loose with language and say it means it's a piece of cake. It's a breeze. 
It's easy. It is possible. The word could also say it means I can do. I can do. Um, nothing can stop this. There's no barrier that, that can stop this. It's possible. You know, it, it's fascinating um, where it says God is love. There's, there's another absolute concerning God in Hebrew 6 and also in Titus 1, I believe, where it says it is impossible for God to lie. That, that's, so, so God is love, and also I can say something else absolute. He, it's impossible for God to lie. He cannot lie. But all things... All things are possible with this God. And let me also add the obvious possible that is, that is in line with, as an expression of who he is, his love. Everything is possible to his love. His love is almighty power. His love is never that weak, sympathetic slop that, that says, well, I'm awfully sorry for you, I wish I could do something. No, no, when God is love, he is all possible. And, and, and it's an almighty love. In, in that Luke one that we read, um, another translation of that, which you'll find in multiple uh, translations of the scripture it, it could be said where it says with God all things are possible it could also be said no word of God is void of power that is every word that God speaks is filled with his power he doesn't give suggestions he doesn't say shucks I would like to do this this is a jolly good idea. No, every word God speaks goes forth to be birthed into our life and existence. He never says a word that lacks the power of its performance. Possible. All things are possible with God. Now, now you've really got to snuggle down in this. You've got to because I meet so many people that all but say, well, the age of miracles is past. And, and I say then, I, I doubt you're a Christian. And I don't say that nastily. Um, but our whole understanding of salvation is based on the impossible as far as we humans are concerned. We... If you're a believer, you believe in that which is possible only to God. Let me, let me show you. That first scripture we read in Genesis, that was, you could say, the beginning of God unfolding his salvation into the human race. It came through Abraham. He's the beginning. There's a lot happened before him, but... This was the beginning of unfolding God's salvation into our race. And it was, and it was by God's design, impossible. He comes to Abraham, whose name meant exalted father, Abraham. And he calls him and promises that he shall have descendants as multitudinous as the stars of the sky and the sand on the shore. And the trouble was, as you know, I'm sure, Abraham and Sarah, his wife, were advanced in age and there were no children. And that, that was the whole issue. God made a promise that through a child born to this old couple, that's the whole of God's salvation through that son would enter into the human race. Um, and, and it goes on and goes on until Abraham, by, by, and, and then God comes and, and shares with Abraham his faith. God shares his faith and said, this 
that to you is impossible shall be. And he implanted his faith, God's faith, inside Abraham's name and changed it from Abraham to Abraham. And Abraham means the father of a multitude, father of nations. And every time anyone called his name, every time anyone asked Abraham who he was, his response, speaking Hebrew, of course, would be, I am the father of a multitude. And, and they're getting older by the minute and older by the minute. And yet here he goes around touting his name, which is, in fact, God's faith that he shall bring this to pass inside of Abraham's name. And when Abraham is near on 100 and his little wife is in her early 90, and that, that's when this verse comes about, where the Lord comes to the tents of Abraham and announces it's happening this time next year. And Sarah, who is listening behind the curtain to the men talk, um, she bursts out laughing. What idiocy is this? I'm an old crone. You say I'm going to have a baby in a year? And the Lord says, for he was present behind the curtain as well as in front of it, and he says, why are you laughing, Sarah? Uh, and she said, I, 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 <laughs> she tries to deny that. But that's when he says, don't you realize there's nothing too hard for the Lord? Or all things are possible with God? Nothing too hard. Nothing too hard. And he get this. Stop reading so quickly. Stop. Think. Take a week for that verse. Nothing too hard for the Lord? Yeah, that's how salvation came into the human race, through the birth of Isaac. And Isaac means laughter. It's the sound of laughter. For laughing, laughing with the God who says all things are possible. And then when that salvation that begins to come into the human race through Abraham, through Isaac, when that salvation is about to be accomplished, accomplished through Jesus, who is the direct descendant of Isaac. Only now we, we take it up into the notch of infinity. For this isn't just an old lady that is going to give birth. This is a virgin girl in her early teens. And the angel came and announced the birth of Jesus, who would be none other than the Son of God, born of the Virgin, by the Holy Spirit coming upon her. Okay. Every Christian believes that. And you have just spoken utter impossible. Do you understand? Our faith begins with the impossible, and now it rises to an impossible that we can't even think. That God shall come among us, having taken to himself our humanity in the womb of a virgin. But that's what Christianity is. And then, of course, his life is filled with that other word of the New Testament, miracle, works of divine power. But then it comes to crescendo in that he dies, but he rises from the dead. It doesn't mean he just came back to life. Please get that. Lazarus came back to life. Jairus' daughter came back to life. The widow of Nain's son came back to life. But Jesus didn't come back to life. He killed death. And when he came out of the tomb, it was with a body totally the same and totally unlike the body that was placed in there. He had conquered death, and he now has a human body that cannot die. A deathless body, a body all life. That, that's the corner piece of the Christian faith. For the scripture says, if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Miracle? 
America is almost a, a, it's an insufficient word for that. Incarnation, resurrection, and then that human who is God with that body that cannot die walked into the other half of the universe. We call that the ascension. And from that other half of the universe, he says, all authority is given to me. You believe that? I mean, that's we Christians do, you see. We Christians do. Because this word, with God, all things are possible. All things. This is your standard. This is the mark, you see. It begins at one end with Abraham and at the other end with the incarnation, the resurrection, the ascension. All things are possible. But then that other verse from Mark where the rich young ruler walks away and they're all discussing who can be saved. I really thought if anybody could, that chap could. And Jesus said those words, you see. With men, with, with persons, it's impossible. Impossible. Human beings cannot achieve this. You can never do anything, never do anything that will achieve your salvation. It's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So he tells us there that the whole experience of our salvation, it's, it's a, a possible only of God's possible. Oh, yes. Anybody says, do you believe in miracles? Of course you are a walking miracle. You are. You are a wonder. You, you're, you're enough to cause astonishment, amazement. Because you're, you're what he was talking about. Something that only God could do, and he's done it. And you are the present expression of that. We were created. Created to be in this dynamic relationship partaking of, participating in God's own possible. That's our attitude to life. It's our understanding of how we live this love. Now, I've used that word twice now, relationship. And it's, it's imperative we understand what we're saying here. Relationship. Because we have a relationship with Father and Son and Holy Spirit, with whom nothing is impossible. A relationship with Him to whom all things are possible. A relationship with Him who said, there is nothing too hard for the Lord. A relationship with Him that whenever He speaks, no word from God is void of power. We have a relationship. Well, what is a relationship? Please get this straight. Um, we've used that word a lot, and I don't think I've ever stopped to say what does it mean. Well, without getting into words, as I usually do, let, let's look at, practically speaking, what when we say a relationship, what is a relationship? Let me reduce it to this, because obviously there's a lot more to it, but let me get what I see at least tonight as being the heart of the matter. A relationship is an exchange of stories. You didn't expect that, did you? In a relationship, the persons in that relationship, they feel safe enough to exchange their stories one with another. You could say it another way. It is persons who bear their hearts and they let their innermost person speak and say, this is who I am. These are my desires. These are my goals. This is my plan and my hopes. and That's relationship. It, it creates a bond when two stories come together and, and, and each believes the other and trusts the other and there's a bond. And we believe of the other, they speak the truth. And we believe that we have come to know the real person. Okay? Put that on hold. I, I said we believe 
the person. Now, th this word believe fascinates me. Um, we have talked about this before, but there's more to what I've said before. Um, it's a very, very old English word. It goes back to what is called Middle English, uh, Anglo-Saxon times. So let me one more time pull this word apart, but let me give you the whole meaning this time. Be, B-E, it's the believe. Well, be, now hold it, don't, be, what is be? Be means to exist, I be. Uh, in fact, the verb to be begins with I am. I, I be, I am. But it's more than existence. If I be, if I am, then my being is causing ripples in time. I, I'm not a nothing. To be an I am, to be, means that I have a cause effect. I cause something to happen. I am a being in motion. I be. I'm not just hanging in space. I, I am being in time. So I'm moving through time. I'm being in this history of situations. I'm being. So the idea of be is I am causing. Um, we actually use that very specifically when we say something um, becomes. It becomes. It becomes, I bring into existence, I be. And so it's got that idea of causing or making or fashioning. Okay? And the second word in this word believe is so ancient, we don't use it really anymore. Leaf. Leaf. What does leaf mean? Well, if you get to the heart of it, it means something of great value, something that you treasure, something that you honor. It, it means something that you delight in to the point where you cannot, you will not part with it. And therefore, you live your life around it, in accord with it, under its control, under its influence. Did you get that? Believe. You could say that it means I, in my existence, in my being in the world, I, I, I live in accord with this body of what I believe to be true. But why, why do I live in accord with it? It's because I put great value on that body. Body of facts, body of ideas. I, I, I put tremendous value and worth. I, I treasure those ideas. That's what that I believe, you see. I, now that's in, in my being in this world. I always go back to this and I order my life around it. And, and I thrust myself forward in time and space because of this body of ideas. This, this body of words and thoughts. It's what I believe. What you thus believe, that which thrusts you forward in light, that you treasure and honor, these ideas that you won't give up, you stubbornly will not give up. In fact, they're so deeply rooted, you cannot give them up. They order your behavior, and this is another subject, um, but... but, but Religion always dabbles with what you do, whereas the scripture always deals with why do you do it. It's, it's what you believe, and it deals with what you believe. There, there are treasured ideas that persons hold that produce behavior that maybe they and others don't like, but they can't get rid of the behavior because it's rooted there in their treasured 
body of ideas and thoughts that they count to be such absolute truth, they can never give it up. And we go through life, you see, and we expect, we expect what we hold so in our heads and heart, we believe, and what we believe, we, we, we look for it to happen. We believe this is the way life is supposed to be. And we try to make sense of life by passing it through the lens of our belief. Okay, then just a minute. Relationship is the telling of stories. And in a relationship, we believe what the other tells us of themselves and how it affects us. What on earth am I getting at? I said it. You were created to be in a relationship with Father and Son and Holy Spirit. And that is what new birth, that is what this salvation is all about. You are restored into that relationship. What does that mean? It means that God tells us his story. He tells us his story of who he is. He bears his heart and tells us his purpose and his plan that is centered in Jesus. There in the first chapter of Genesis, he bared his heart to Adam. Have you ever thought of it like that? But when in Genesis 1, the Creator now talks to this little creature and, and, and tells the creature, do you, do you know my purpose? Do you know my plan? That you should bear my image. That is that I should be inside of you so that when people see you, they see me. Union, one. And he gave him a garden and said, I love you so much. I've prepared this garden. It's full of everything you'll ever need and you can freely take it without asking permission. He told him his story of love. But he also, in so doing, now hear me very carefully, he told Adam the story of Adam. It's different when it's two human beings, but when this relationship is with God, God not only tells Adam the story of God, but he also tells Adam Adam's story. This is who you are. This is what I purposed you to be. This is my plan for you, my plan of pouring my love upon you and you becoming the expression of my love in the world. Told him, my plan is that your life is in union with me. And so, in that relationship, God's story becomes our story. Our treasured body of ideas that thrust us through life is what he said. We believe his story about himself and about us, and his story becomes our story. And we live in relationship, and we live in the power of that. And then, of course, you know, and now we're sort of reframing um, in the light of this, Satan comes into the Garden of Eden. And, and the reason I'm, I'm emphasizing this, many of you have been taught that um, sin is the breaking of rules. Well, I would say put that, put it on the shelf at best. If it drops off the shelf, that's fine. It's not the breaking of rules. Sin is the breaking of a relationship and the taking up of a new relationship. Satan came with a story, you see. Satan came with a story. He dared to contradict God's story. And first of all, he told the story about God, that God was a liar, and God was the one who was the killjoy who kept them from enjoying their creation life to the full. 
And then he told the story of who they really were. He said, you will be as gods. You can make it on your own. You can make life happen. You have it all in yourself. You don't need him. Life is in your flesh. Life is in your brain. Life is in your created thing, your stuff, your flesh. You're no longer bounded by him and his rules, which of course was a lie right there. You're bounded by your human strength. You can do anything. You've got wisdom. Your five senses. Oh, you're an incredible person. And mankind had a terrible switch. Not just the breaking of the rule. It was... They believed Satan's story. And therefore they perceived God as a liar, as being the killjoy of life, as the one who was against them. And they believed Satan's story about themselves. That they could be the source of life and meaning and purpose all within themselves, in their senses, in their nerve endings, in their brain, in their own thoughts. And here we come, trying to be as God, or, to put that, you know, better, because after a while, mankind realized there was God bigger than him, but but to be as God then meant, I've got to have God's affirmation. I've got to have God say, yes, you're okay. You do you do actually act, act like a God, and, and and so religion came into business. It, it it said, and it was of course completely in cahoots with Satan's story that it's all in you. You say, just use your willpower, use your common sense, do your jolly best. Do everything possible. Work at this. Discipline yourself. Try hard to find the formulas. Go by the rules. Of course, useless. I mean useless. Did I say it right? Futility? Dead ends on top of dead ends? For it's impossible. It doesn't begin in us. It can't begin in us. It's all about relationship. Union with. Union with God. Union with Satan. Whose story do I believe? And in that horror, as mankind walked away from the God relationship, God's love toward mankind, you and I, was not affected. God did not blink. Not for a microsecond did he change his mind about us. His story remained the same. His story about himself and his story about us. And he set about pursuing us. To bring us back to relationship and to believe the truth, the only truth that he said of himself and he said concerning us. Hence, as this unfolds, the words keep cropping up. With God, nothing is impossible. Is anything too hard from the Lord? With men, it is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. On and what, what? Do you realize those words that I've just been reading and quoting to you, that God is the God of all possible? God said those words right in the middle of our 
human existence. God came right into our world that is now hedged around with impossible. He meets us right there where we're staring at the impossible and says, it may well be impossible to you, but it's not impossible to me. That is, he came at the point of our futility. He came at the point of our limitless frustration. He came to us at the pit of our failure, right in the hopelessness of where we were. And said, yeah, it's impossible for you, but with me, all things are possible. Do you hear what I'm saying? He didn't leave us there. He came and stood with us in the pit of our despair and told us, with me, everything is possible. Right? That's where he announced it. That's where all those words take place. And of course, Jesus, would, would you understand me if I said, he is the story. He is. The, he's the story of the Father. He's the story of the Son and the Holy Spirit all wrapped up in. He became our flesh. No wonder he's called the Word. He is the speaking. He's the story. He is. He came inside our human. He came inside our time, space, history. And his life and what he said and what he did is the unfolding of the story. Unfolding of the story. And, and the story then picks up heavy on us. When God became one of us to bring us to where he is, I say the story now is massively about us. Let me tell you, you know, sometimes, I don't know if this would make any sense to you, but do you, do you remember, some of you are old enough to remember those precious days where there was true relationship in families. And it began, do you remember, when you were a little boy, a little girl, and you were put to bed, and, and, and you said to your mother, your father, tell me a story. Do you remember that? I, I know today they just give you an iPad, or, or they stick you in front of the TV. But in those good old days, when relationships happened, and when children were given a, a world of truth in which to live, when they were given beliefs that connected to their parents. Okay. Have you ever... Have you ever been the child of God you are and said to God the Father, Abba, tell me a story. And Abba tells you the story, and Jesus is the story, and it's the Holy Spirit who turns the page. Tell me a story. Oh, it's a story, but huh, it's impossible with men, because when Jesus died, you died with him. That's, that's the Father's story to you. He tells you that. And when Jesus was buried, you were buried. And your old, twisted, gnarled life of futility and shame was buried, done, finished forever. Guilt, condemnation was cancelled out of your life. And when Jesus rose from the dead, you rose with him in a life, in a world that was impossible for the human to ever reach. God had to take you there, and he did. It's a fact of history, he did. And when he ascended, he took you with him so that you could sit down with the holy us. Daddy, tell me a story. A story? It's impossible to men, but it's possible with God, and he did it in Jesus. 
this seated in heavenly places is that the Holy Spirit has now taken up residence within you. And because he's there, the Father is there, and the Son is there. What a story. How could this be? I did it, says he. I did it. I did it because I loved you before you were born. I purposed this before you could speak. Uh, You'd never understand how I did it, but I did it. And this is who you are. He tells us my story, your story. This is who you are. And then his story was that after Jesus had ascended, And the disciples, though they now have a place there in the heavens with him, they're still on earth. And he said, the Holy Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit, will come upon you and you shall receive power. Uh Uh-uh. Power, power. That's the same family word as possible. God possible. You little, weak, helpless human who up to now you've been boundaried by your senses. You've been told by your ancestors and your parents what you can do and what you can't do, and beyond that it's impossible. But now, the possible of God that comes to us through Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, he says you shall receive that. What a story. And and you will love just as Jesus loved. And that's how people will know you're his disciples. And the works that he did, you will do also. What a story. It's God's possible. And it's all gift. It's all a gift. You do nothing except say thank you. And recognize this is why Jesus came. This has been in the making since before there was a world. And when Satan smashed it all, he didn't because God started it again in Abraham and brought it to pass in Jesus who crushed the head of the serpent and grabbed you and carried you out of a world of impossible into God's possible. In fact, you became part of the body of Christ, which means that you're the continuation of Jesus possible here. Do you believe God's story? See what I mean? That body of truth, there was a body of lies and darkness that led down roads of futility were crucified with Christ and he now exchanges his mind. Have you gotten used to that yet? Have you let that penetrate and become behavior that you think of God like God thinks of God? You think of yourself as God thinks of you? Do you believe his story? Do you carry those God ideas and God thoughts as a precious treasure? Do do you hold them and honor them and recognize here is absolute and final truth? Let me tell you a story. Jesus says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you, and now you love one another as I have loved you. He's given us his love. Is that possible? Yes. What else? He said, My peace I give to you, not as the world gives, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled. And later Paul would define it as the peace of God that passes human understanding. He gave it to you. You have it now. What a story. My joy I give to you, he said. And he said to you and I, go lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And we hold those treasured thoughts and we be them 
into life. It's a radical mind change. From a darkened mind, tarred through the lie, to a lightened mind set alight by the Holy Spirit, begins to... We reframe all of life. It, the gift might be all at once, but it takes time to begin to recognize this into life. Oh, look at him. He tells you the story. His face glows with joy and desire and delight as he tells you this is who I am and this is what I've done and this is now who you are. You see, when you get a hold of this, this possible God, this is not a paper God. You know paper God? That's the God you take questions about in seminary and Bible schools and answer true or false. The whole thing happens in your brain and on paper. That's the end of it. And you can argue and argue and argue about God, but there's no comprehension that he's ever going to leap off the pages and be who he is. I, I like it in the Old Testament what they call him the living God. I think in almost every time that occurs, it was with the pagan unbelievers watching, and they, they delighted with a sort of smile around their mouth. He's the living God, living God, living God, you see. He's not a thought of debate. He, we don't just discuss him. We don't argue and split and meet in different places over bits of paper that we believe. He's the living God, and what he says, he comes and he does it. And he's done it in our life. And we begin to reframe our world by a real God who's present at the breakfast table equally as he is at the communion table. And he's there in our work as he's there at home in the world of hopeless and futility. We are learning to walk in his possible, which is filled with hope and potential. The impossible, that's how human looks at it, the impossible is God's playground. Yeah, you heard it. The impossible is God's playground. He delights and, and please hear me in this. He delights to bring us into impossible situations. Not, not to make us scared or to test us, as some say. No, he brings us there because he wants to bring to death all our flesh hopes. He brings us to a point where everything in terms of my five senses... Report back to me, it cannot be done. There is no way through. You will never be that. You cannot go there. Your senses, who usually end up making you full of fear for one reason or another. And, and, and he brings us into those situations. And I say he brings us there because he wants us to recognize yeah, with men it is impossible. You know, that was a life changer for me because I'd seen the grace of God, but I still dabbled in trying to do something to be a sort of better Christian and, and, and do something that would surely impress him. And it was that verse in Mark 10, actually, I read it, and it leaped off the pages, and it took me weeks to read through that verse. Who then can be saved? With men it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And what came to me was snuggled down into impossible understand it's absolutely, finally, forever impossible for you to do one thing 
that would ever achieve salvation in any of its stages or any of its expressions impossible. That was Jesus' story. He told us, then my response to that is going to be then, so be it, I'm going to enjoy my impossible. And pull up the covers and snuggle down. It's impossible, impossible. Oh, come on. Sit there doing your little formulas, reading your Bible with a watch on your hand, or you did it for five minutes, or whatever the silly formula said, and you're trying, and you're struggling, and you're doing. Relax. I mean more than relax. I say snuggle. It's impossible. But with God, it's impossible. But with God, it's possible. And so I abandon myself to God and His grace and His love. And I thank Him that He let me struggle so long to come to absolute despair. To know, yeah, it's impossible. Finally, you got it. It's impossible. So now just rest into His possible. It's his playground. He delights in it. That's where you find the joy of the Lord. That's where you find the peace of God. In what my flesh says is impossible, that's where I meet his possible. And that verse that I quote so often, eye has not seen nor ear heard, it's never entered into the heart of man, but God has revealed it to us by his Spirit. Sounds like impossible, doesn't it? But it's been revealed. We've entered... Through the impossible, we came into the world of possible. And to him who is able to do exceeding, abundantly, above, beyond all that we can ask or think or imagine in our wildest dreams. Yeah, that's it. Impossible. So that means, as you step out into your world today, tomorrow... You're not challenged by needs. You're not challenged by lack. You're not challenged by difficult situations. You are challenged by a possible that blows your mind. For what we were calling our lack and our need and what I don't have and how impossible it is, I now suddenly see is the opportunity to discover God's possible. What He shall bring to pass, what He shall fill this void with, is possible. The new horizons that open up. We're called to participate in His possible. That's, that's what it's all about. Well... Time has gone. I think we are going to revisit this. What, what is my response as I come to these impossible promises of God? Well, that one that we read when the Virgin Mary was given the most impossible words ever humans heard. What's her response? Be it unto me according to your word. That is... How you could ever do this. How this is possible, I don't have a clue. But I hear your story. And I believe your story. And I believe your story about yourself and your faithfulness. And I believe your story about me. And what you want to do in me and through me and by me. So then all I can say is, be it unto me according to your word. I receive it. I thank you for it. I do not bother my little pea brain with how you could ever do it. All I know is, you'll do it. Be it unto me, just like you said. Go into your life with that response to the God who is all possible. And now, 
the blessing, the real blessing, the possible blessing of this God who is almighty love, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be now upon you and in you and through you in every situation you find yourself in be the challenge carrying you where you've never gone before uphold you encourage you empower you so I bless you this day this week that you shall know not about God the paper God but about the real one the living God in your life your relationships your work and your play that's how I bless you and that's the way it is <laughs>